0: Okay, let me just click on that. There we go.
1: Good afternoon. Today I have Craig with me. Hello Craig, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself?
0: Uh, Sure. I'm Craig Robertson. I am the author of nine books, Um, mainly set in Glasgow. I'm a former journalist. I'm the director of the Bloody Scotland Festival and lots of other stuff that I'm sure we'll talk about in the next hour or half hour or whatever we're going to talk (laughs)
1: about. Um, did you always know that you wanted to be a writer?
0: Yeah, I think it's always something I wanted to do. It was never something I thought I would do. You know, it, it's, it probably always seemed like something other people did. But I always loved writing from early on. But the thought of being a novelist is a different thing altogether. Um, but I was a journalist for a long time, for 20 years. So, you know, long before that came to an end, I knew that writing books is what I wanted to do. So. At that point, I'd I made my mind up. And then it was only a matter of whether I could actually do it or not.
1: And what was the moment that made you decide, OK, I'm actually going to do this, I'm going to go for it?
0: I, I'd loved being a journalist. I loved it for 15 years. And then I thought, well, the writing was on the wall. I knew the way it was going. Lots of jobs had been lost in journalism. And I knew the way it was going. And I wanted out, and I wanted out on my own terms. And I needed a new career. And it seemed the most logical one is to use some of the skills I had and put them towards writing a book. And it took me a long time to write that first book. But it took me five years to from starting it, from getting the idea, to to going through the whole process. So it took a long time, uh, mainly because I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, And I just had to learn as I was going. But, uh, yeah, I've never regretted it
1: and what made you choose the
0: genre that you write in I think like most people it was what I read more than anything else I mean I overwhelmingly read crime so it was always likely I was going to do that and also it's just the way I'm wired it's just what suits me you know I have a a dark enough personality that's easily my go-to kind of thing I'm I'm never if I ever write, uh, you know, a cosy or a romance, you know, just come and shoot me. They're, that's they're fantastic for those who want to do it and want to read it, but it's just not me. Um, I'm really not sure I'd make a good job of that at all.
1: Um, what's the most interesting thing you found out when doing research for your books?
0: Oh, tons of stuff. I mean, I would love doing the research. That's one of my favourite things about the whole process. And I know that I quite often make life difficult for myself. I wrote. I didn't realise it until a couple of books after this, but I think three books in a row I wrote about subjects that I knew absolutely nothing about and had to learn everything about. So I wrote a book about the Faroe Islands, which I knew nothing about and I'd never been to. Then I wrote, a, followed that by writing a book about uh, urbexing, so the exploring, urban exploring, so exploring abandoned buildings and, and tunnels and towers. And then I wrote a book about murderabilia, which is behind me somewhere, yeah, there we go. And uh, and that's about people who collect things related to serial killers. And it's a huge industry and hobby for people. I knew nothing but any of these things. So I, I had to go and learn it all from scratch, but it was all fascinating. The whole murderabilia thing, I, it's like many things when you write and research, you go down rabbit holes and you learn, much more than you really need to know. And, you know, it's a pretty strange world, murderability, just by the nature of it. And the people who collect the things that they collect. And I ended up buying a few things. So that was that was pretty odd. But, you know, I loved it, I, I can not deny it. And you need to do it, you need to know your stuff, or there'll be somebody out there who knows more than you do and are going to be quick to point out you don't know what you're talking about.
1: Yeah. Especially crime readers, I think, we're
0: particularly picky. Yeah, can be, yeah, now and again. And, and that's fine. I, th- I think when you get things wrong, maybe you should get picked up on them. But it's you know, all, it's when people pick up on the tiniest things and say, like, well, that completely ruined the book for me because mm-hmm. you have to turn left on that corner instead of turn right <laughs> on that corner. Like, Come on, it's fiction. Cut me some slack. So, but if, on your main stuff, you should know it. You should know what you're writing about.
1: If you were to be transported into one of your own books as a character, which book would you choose?
0: Oh, that's a good question. Um, well, today I would choose um, The Last Refuge, which is set on the Faroe Islands, because the, today, as we're recording this, Scotland are playing in football in the Faroe Islands tonight, so that would be nice and convenient. Um, I would go to uh, pub, the name of which I've forgotten, but features heavily in that book, it was five books ago i've forgotten now um but i went i i went there and i'd love to feel i absolutely love the place um so i would go there right now even though i'm sure it's even wetter than it's outside scotland here right now and it'll be pretty miserable but yeah i'd like i want i want to go back i've got plans to write other books there if i ever get the chance to write those books i've got i've got a queue of books waiting to be written so we'll see i've got my German publishers want me to write more books in pharaohs. and I have a trilogy planned out and I'm just waiting for the, a break to, to be able to do that. So, yeah, that would be my choice, I think. Right now. And out
1: of all the books you've written so far, is there a favourite character
0: that you've written? Um, it's always like you're feeling... I'm usually thinking, oh, well, I, there's one that pops to my head, but that's unfair on the other ones. It's like choosing between your children. Um, but my my new book, which is also it sounds like it's a good chance to plug my new book out in January. But um, it's called The Undiscovered Deaths of Grace McGill, and Grace might be my favourite character at the moment. You know, and it changes all the time. It's because it's a new book. Although I'm, I'm in the process of writing book eleven right now, and I'll be going back to that as soon as we finish talking. Um, and I'm loving the character in that, but it's kind of early days with her. But Grace McGill. Grace is a cleaner, a lonely desk cleaner. So her specialty is cleaning in homes where bodies have been left undiscovered for, for months. And so she will go in and deep clean homes where people have died and no one's noticed. So uh, she's she's interesting. She's very socially awkward, quite shy, um, but definitely has a lot of personality of her own. She doesn't always say what she thinks, but she thinks has uh, a mind of her own. And but she's caring as well. She wants to do this job because it's such a, you know, such a terrible thing that people should be left alone. So, her and the book is about, uh, about society and about loneliness and old age. But obviously, there's some bad shit goes on as well, and uh, there's a thriller at the heart of it. So right now, I would say Grace is my favorite, and I say that with apologies to Tony and Rachel and Uncle Danny <laughs> and all of them.
1: You hide any secret jokes or messages or Easter eggs in your books?
0: I do, but if I told you, that would kind of would kind of give it away, I think. Um, Yeah, I've regularly played jokes on friends. Um, I've got uh, I put one of my friends. uh, It was a couple. I made Jackie a a police officer, and she had and her police dog was was Davy, which is her husband's name. So. She she thought that was funnier than, than he did. Um, I also married off uh, two of my friends, two male friends, um, and again, most people thought that was funnier than they did. So, so yeah, you you've just got to. It's when you, it's so difficult finding names for characters because you've used them all and and you have to try and keep them different. Um, so I use friends and I use neighbors and I I'd try. You've got to remember who you've used as well because I used uh, one in in the first book in Random. And I was talking to my next door neighbour here on the doorstep and he said that he'd really enjoyed the book. Um, but he was a bit surprised to find out that he turned out to be the bad guy. And I thought, yes, forgot about that. So I named the character after him before I then made changes to the to the plot. But, it, it, you know, he was OK with it, so which is just, just as well. <laughs> I've
1: only been named in one book, but I was a sex-mad politician, which was fun.
0: Seems appropriate. (laughs)
1: Thanks. (laughs) Um, And which has made me completely forget what I was going to ask you next. (laughs) So easily distracted, honestly. Um, uh, Do you have any phobias and would you write about them or have you written about them?
0: Um, I don't know if I have phobias as such. Um, I'm not great with uh, confined spaces. I'm okay, you know, but I, I'm not completely comfortable with it. So I have used that in a couple of books. In, um, in Place of Death, which is about our vaccine character, it starts with a walk through a tunnel that goes under Glasgow that's still there. There was a barn called the Mollen Diner Barn, which Glasgow sort of grew from and it's now covered over and you can still go in and walk the length of it but at, towards the end it goes down to about a foot and a half high and there was no way i was going to do that I was just i would loved the first so far but when it got to that height i'm not sure i'd have liked that at all i'm not sure many people would um but i found an arborex who was able to help me um a guy who and he'd photographed every step through that tunnel so i was able to describe accurately without having to go through that and and go down there. I'm also not very keen on rats. So I had a scene in Random where um, my character is bitten by rats when he's he's in another underground um, area. Uh, And I thought, well, this is going to scare the Jesus out of me. So hopefully it's going to do the same to other people. So you can use things, we all use anything at our disposal to try and make the book book as good and as real as you can. So uh, so that, I think they're my only phobias, I think. And beetroot, but you know, that does really work in a book. Can't stand beetroot, but it's not gonna work as a plot device.
1: You could have it as a little quirk, another little Easter egg maybe. Maybe, maybe, Yeah. yeah.
0: I will I'll bear I'll bear that one in mind.
1: Yeah. As long as I get a knowledge for it, it's fine. I'm
0: joking. <laughs> no, no, it goes without saying. If I, if I use me, you're in.
1: <laughs> That'll be what I'm known for after. <laughs> um, what's one of the most fun scenes you've written and what's been one of the most difficult? Obviously, without spoilers, if you
0: can. Oh, most fun scenes. I don't know. I in theory they should all be fun um the first one that comes to mind i wrote a scene my last book uh watch him die is partly set in glasgow and partly set in los angeles so i spent well pre covid i i spent a lot of time in california because my wife's an author and she's from california so we've spent about three months there um haven't been in since last march but Thankfully, I was able to research this book before that all shut down. And there's an abandoned uh, water park out in the desert, in the Mojave Desert, uh, which I wanted to use. And I took a trip out there uh, with my wife, And it was just, it was a fascinating place to visit because it's it's this run down, really spooky water park covered in graffiti. People have just walked away from it um and you can go in and explore the buildings but you don't know what's around the corner um there's it's some is broken down with concrete i went into one room um sorry that was me getting a parcel delivered to the front door <laughs> just to show that this is live and happening all right he's left it good it'll be soaking wet so about you've gone into these rooms and i went into one room and there was a, A bird took off, it's like inches from my face. Mm -hmm. I went to another room and there was rats. In another room, there's also uh, rattlesnakes. Thankfully, I didn't see one. Uh, So it was really a real fun place to go. Um, There was this huge water tower that I ended up putting a body in. Mm -hmm. Slight spoiler. Um, And it was great. So when I came came to write that, it was a fun thing to do because I had all the photographs at hand Mm -hmm. and just try and recreate the the atmosphere of being there so that's it yeah that's the one I'd go for right now
1: um, do you have lots of author friends
0: one or two yeah one or two so I've been doing this full time for 10 years now um so I spend a lot of time at book festivals while we're just getting back into doing that again now so yeah it's it's strange how much my group of friends has changed in the, in the time um yeah there's a whole bunch of us that will regularly prop up a bar together or sit around talking nonsense <laughs> uh, that group of us uh, do a quiz online uh, every week um, and it's, it's great but it's it's people who understand what you're doing and why you're doing it and we can share lots of gossip and you know support as well so it's it's yeah I I run two festivals, two book festivals myself, I've no idea why I run two or I've got time to run two, but that helps a lot. And it helps that there's people I can just go to and say, do you want to come up and do this? And, and as a rule, people do. Um, as you know, they're, they're just fun weekends, and it kind of helps you can bring your pals along. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, and you get a lot of feedback from your readers.
0: Do um, and I'm pretty lucky that I it's almost all positive feedback. I'm, I've never really see. I'm now I'm now tempted fate. You know, somebody's going to write it in now and tell me how terrible they are. Yeah, I, and feedback's good. Um, I think, especially face to face, especially at festivals. You know, when someone just comes up and says, "Love that book," or just wanted to chat, then then it's great. And I think it's one of the things. well, you'll know it, that readers love about book festivals. Is that authors are approachable you generally know where you're going to find them. They're generally going to be somewhere near the bar, And, and it's, it's great to get that back. Because otherwise, you know, you, you're just writing your book and hoping that people are liking it and liking all of it. So to get feedback is, is always helpful. And it just makes it feel good.
1: Have you had any weird or strange feedback or any people approach you at festivals that are a bit odd?
0: Well, yeah, yeah everybody's a bit odd. We're all about it, but that's, that's OK. Um, well, yeah, I suppose after writing Murderabilia, I did an event with Denise Miner, and we were did a both written books that featured real life killers, um, Billy and she had written The Last Draw, and we did an event, and a uh, lady asked that we we write about how things would affect victim's families in our books but do we ever consider writing about how it affects the killer's families and it was a really interesting question and we we talked about it for a while and at the end she came up and sort of took me aside and said the reason she asked that question was that her brother was a triple murderer and we chatted about that and it was fascinating not quite what i expected and then the next day at the same festival she came up and to me and I had a carrier bag and sort of, that to me and said that she wanted me to have it. I said, okay, okay. And I was just literally had a foot on stage to go and start another event. And she said, I want you to have this, because these are the things that my brother had on him when he when he killed the three people. Uh and that, you know, that's a bit strange, you know. And she said she'd had this burden for 30 years. And now she I was I was taking the burden from her. So now I have the burden. I have I have um this person's car keys and house key and blood transfusion cards and library cards and wallet and, and I don't know what the hell I've got to do with them. <laughs> so yeah, occasional strangeness. Um it was all you know she was she had to live with us for 30 years and cannot be easy. Um and okay, so if that's some way of her feeling better about it then fine, I'll take them. Yeah, I don't even know where they are. Um, I might have thrown them out when I wasn't looking.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, kind of nice that she trusted you with them, I guess. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I I think so, Um, but definitely slightly. Not what I expected.
1: (laughs) Um, If you were to be a killer in a book, how would you kill your victims?
0: Oh... Um, carefully, because uh, so I really wouldn't want to get caught. That would, be, that would be the main thing. So that would be my priority, was not to get caught. In um, Random, the killer, and the Random was told from the killer's point of view, and for the plot, he had to kill them in, in all in different ways and in fairly kind of high profile ways. So I spent for that book a lot of time trying to work out very different ways to kill people, and preferably ways that hadn't been done before um uh someone uh had a rolled up newspaper thrust down their throat to, uh, to choke them someone else had their mouth duct taped and their nostrils super glued together so it was it was it was a fun journey trying to work out ways to do things um so i, I think something didn't leave a trace might be the the way i'd want to go so uh some kind of poison I would think. I'll give them more thoughts. I'm not quite ready to kill anyone yet. So <laughs> I'll get back to you.
1: Thanks. Your secret will be safe. It's fine. Okay, yeah. If the good. police come to me, I know nothing.
0: It's the best way. Just say.
1: I, um, I study forensics and literally, like, you know, all of us say we're doing it because we want to kill someone and get away with it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. Everyone's got to have a hobby, so it's, it's fine.
1: Yeah, but our lecturer's no fun. She tells us stuff to a point, but only to a point where we couldn't actually do anything with it to, you know, hurt someone.
0: So well, that's not cool. much use. I
1: know. Yeah.
0: You need to take her out a few drinks and then find out the rest.
1: Yeah. Apparently our reputation preceded us. <laughs> she <laughs> doesn't trust
0: us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know okay. why. Yeah. Well, let me know. I might, I might know a few things. So.
1: Yeah, I could probably give you a couple of tips as well that I've learned.
0: Well, I, I'll take you up on that. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> um, if you're able to spend a day with any author, dead or alive, who would you like to spend a day with?
0: Oh, it's a good question. Um, probably someone dead, because the, the alive ones, mostly I can spend quite a lot of time with, which is great. And it's one of the best things with, you know, authors, you do get to meet your heroes. You know, all the people that I've read, before I started writing, I'm now friends with, with a lot of them, and th- and that's a great thing. So, um, so someone dead, um, I've got I've got I've got to say Charles Dickens for reasons escape me. He just I think he'd be he'd be fascinating. So um, if it was someone alive, maybe James Elroy, who is just a bit of an odd character, but I love his books and the oddness appeals as well. I'm sure it would not be dull. No,
1: um, when you're editing your books, what's your most overused word or phrase?
0: Oh, the, the ones, I, my characters tend to nod a lot and shrug a lot. So I'd have to go back and take a lot of them out. They <laughs> always seem like a good idea at the time. And then you suddenly realize there's 73 of them. So th- yeah, some of that has to go. I mean, you, it's, I, I like the editing process. It, it's good to catch these things. Uh, or have a fresh pair of eyes to catch them as well but yeah i need to do less nodding <laughs> and, and a lot less shrugging
1: yeah <laughs> then they'll just be doing something else
0: <laughs> yeah well sometimes when they're not nodding in their head they're bobbing their head, or they'll drop their heads you yeah. know it's still all the same thing <sighs> but we do it in real life you know we know we it a lot more than than we know i think instead of yeah there you go so it's these we don't always use the word so, but it can get a bit repetitive. So <laughs> I'm, I, I try to avoid that. <laughs>
1: yeah, um, I have to ask about bloody Scotland. And mm. you were the person to introduce Stephen King and Inwood Barclay. How did that come about, and how was it?
0: Oh, it was great. It came about in February. We, because we were doing a, a hybrid, so we were able to beam in some authors who maybe wouldn't travel. My feeling was, well, why don't we go get the biggest thing we can? I uh, said, so why don't we try and get Stephen King? And I'm I'm not having to go at the rest of the board, but it was a lot like, well, we, you'll never get Stephen King. He's not going to do it. He doesn't do much. But my feeling was, well, there's no harm in trying. But it was quite a convoluted route. So I knew that he and Linwood were good pals. I'd seen him going back and forward on Twitter a lot. Um, I, I know Linwood... A bit, but not that much. So, but I knew that Mark Billingham was good pals with Linwood. So I went to Mark because I'm good pals with Mark, and I said, "Mark, could you go to Linwood and ask Linwood if he would go to Steve? Because Steve now to me, um, and ask if they'd do it." So Linwood came back and said, "Well, I'll ask, but he won't do it because I've asked him to do it for a bunch of other places, and he's just not up for it. He doesn't need to do it." So he, so, okay but well, then he come, Linwood comes back and says he says yes and we were all kind of Lindwood says it uh, happened because he wrote him a very funny email so I'm, I'm prepared to go with that um, either that or just coming to do Scotland appeal to him I don't know what and I don't care because he said yes and it was great but that was in February and I had to set him that secret um, till August and that wasn't easy I, mean, I told I told maybe about no more than about three people uh, yeah, you're never gonna guess who's coming. It's Stephen gang On the day that we launched the program, we gave out the program to the authors who had came for the protocol, and there was about a dozen of them. And every one of them was looking through, and they all went, Stephen, King? you're kidding me. And every one of them went had the same reaction. And we thought, well, okay, this is gonna work then. Um introducing them, I was I was nervous before it, which I it is unusual. And but I was standing there eight, I was never said something might go wrong, that the tech might not work. You know, because we had Steve coming in from Maine, and we had Limwood coming in from Toronto, both being, getting beamed, and I thought, you know, all it needs is a bit dodgy Wi-Fi or something, and this is going to be terrible. But we had, uh, we, well, you were, you were there, you were in the audience, and I, so you saw that it was only for about 10 seconds, but when I did the introduction and went to the end, they both started talking and nothing could be heard I thought, you are kidding me you are kidding me so I I said to the audience, well that's fine I can talk about my new book instead and they just bought enough time that it came and I think it was simply that our tech guys hadn't put the volume up in time but yeah, for a minute my heart stopped and thought, "Oh, this is going to be a nightmare but then they were just broken and they just got on with it I stepped back and let them talk and it was a lot of fun and the, the applause at the end for the two of them is easily the longest, most extended applause I've ever heard at a booking. It just went on and on. Um, I was actually doing the next event after at the Quest and I was thinking, "You guys need to stop clapping. I need to clear this room <laughs> for the next event." It just went on, and I think that showed that it it worked, and the, the two of them were just brilliant.
1: Did you get to speak to them before and after?
0: Um, I did before, uh, so. We were backstage just having a chat just to make sure it was on, so it was great. And it was a bit, you know, I I say, I'm friends with most of the big names. I think I've met all the big names of crime writing Um, and chatted with them or had a beer with them. You know, Stephen King is a wee bit different, you know, he's he's a legend. Um, so yeah, we chatted back uh backstage first uh, before we came on and that was great. It was a lot of fun.
1: Uh, a highlight, I would imagine, of your whole writing career so far.
0: Yeah, I, I would say it is, and it's just being able to pull that off. Um, so we now we've got to try and top that for next <laughs> year. I'm not sure how we top Stephen King, but uh, not top Stephen King. That would be terrible. But uh, how we raise that bar again? But well, we're going to have a go.
1: Awesome. Well, I can't wait to see because yeah, um, I posted on Facebook that I was there and took a picture of the screen. And um, people are like, oh my God, I can't believe, you know, you're watching it and stuff. And I'm like, they were comparing toilet stories, like genuinely, you know, these two top authors were comparing toilet stories. Yeah, <laughs> was...
0: yeah I, that's not where I expected it to go, but that was fine. <laughs> well, when, when we went back on and I interviewed them with questions at, at the end, I'd said, well, I was a bit disappointed there weren't more toilet stories. And I thought, Stephen, stopped for a minute, and any, you know, go got He said, oh no, well, we have more toilet stories if you want, but <laughs> I think we've had enough by that point. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> um, so apart from that, what's been your favourite moment uh, being an author so far?
0: Oh, I think all of it. You know, um, I, I, I travel a lot and that's great. As I say, my wife's also an author and a crime director. So we go to a lot of the same festivals and across the US and, uh, and Europe and just being able to do that, well, pre-COVID, obviously that all that's come to a crash and halt. But I'm looking forward to getting back to doing that again. Um, we're going to, well, might still go to Iceland in November, we're going to Santa Fe and Albuquerque in spring. Um, we're going to New Zealand next year and events in the UK. So I think that part of it, you know, traveling and meeting people, other writers and readers is just, it's a real privilege to be able to do it. So so that the only thing that would top that I think would be um, the... We have a crime-righteous football match at Bloody Scotland. Didn't have one this year because of COVID, but uh, that's been just a great thing as well. So the first year of that, um, I was in goals when Scotland beat England 13-1, and that would be right up there They the talking of my list. We've lost games since. They've had their revenge. But that that was uh, that was pretty sweet.
1: Yeah, I heard about that um, from Suze Clark-Morris. I met her mm-hmm. at Bloody Scotland the first time I've met her in... And she was telling me about the torch procession and the football and stuff. And she said the football was one of her favorite things about the whole festival. Yeah, history, so. we, get, we get
0: surprisingly get quite a big crowd to come and come and watch us play, um, because they can get very close to the pitch and people like it, and they can laugh at us or or applaud us or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty. We didn't have the torchlight this year again; it was COVID related. But in most years, we start up at Stirling Castle, which, as you know, is at the top of a pretty big hill, and about three hundred people are given. Uh, flaming torches and we march through the streets down to the albert hall for the main event and it's an incredible sight when you see uh, the authors go to the front uh, or some and to turn around and see 300 people behind you you know the sloping up there with these it's an amazing sight so that will come back next year um we're going to start a day early next year we're going to start on the thursday and we'll bring back the torchlight procession all being well all fingers crossed that this goes away we can do it so we want to bring that back.
1: Yeah, yeah, I um I saw that. So yeah, that's cool. Although I don't fancy walking up that hill again.
0: <laughs> well, you you we we you can get transported to the top of the hill and walk down it, it's much easier that way.
1: Oh, Awesome. Well no, I'm glad you told me that last time.
0: <laughs> well, there's also there's there's pubs on the way you can stop for a break and then and make it easier on yourself. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> um what do you like to do when you're not writing?
0: Uh yeah the travel is probably one of my favorite things so i i'm looking forward to that coming back i mean pre-covid we would be away every month would be out of the country most of the time um each month which um the cat doesn't doesn't like so much so it's much easier on him that we're not allowed to go anywhere now so it's going to come as a shock to him so um traveling i like cooking i've I, I i've to cook so that's one of my favorite things It's, it's, um, if I've been working in the afternoon, I don't tend to start too early in the day, but if I've been working in the afternoon, you know, spending an hour doing something different and allowing the book to kind of work away in my head, it's it's really good. And I like experimenting with that and trying different things. That's definitely one of my favourite things.
1: Who was your first celebrity crush?
0: Oh. Debbie Harry, probably. Like many, yeah, guys of my age, like Debbie Harry would be, posters were on many, many walls. So, um, yeah, she's the first one that comes to mind, so that I think that would be about right.
1: Yeah, popular choice.
0: <laughs> she's still uh, some photographs out of the Met, Ball, just a couple of, uh, I know she's probably had some work done, but she looked fantastic, even though she must be 70-ish.
1: I think yeah. so, yeah, something like yeah. that, yeah.
0: She's wearing well.
1: Yeah, so, yeah, she is. She, uh, she does look incredible. I
0: and mean, she's not <laughs> had that now, I apologise and take that back.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, you never know these days, do you?
0: <laughs> no, 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 definitely not. I'll, I'll get mine done when, it, when the time comes. <laughs> <laughs> I can't be asked. I'm just gonna. Well, I
1: say i have got to age gracefully, but I do dye my hair pink to avoid the grey. So, not really so much. But hey, <laughs> that's okay.
0: Yeah, I feel good. Flip
1: yeah people don't believe i have gray hair that like, no seriously <laughs> i really I, do. i thought it was
0: naturally pink
1: <laughs> if only it'd be much easier and cheaper you <laughs> can't see oh yeah i've got roots a little bit my hair's naturally brown i think it's been a while
0: <laughs> since i've
1: had it that color but i'm well, pretty sure too. it's brown
0: yeah
1: me yeah too. um do you have any strange or unusual talents or like party tricks
0: Party tricks. Oh, God. Nothing is very interesting. Um, I can name, don't ask me to do it, but I can name all uh, 50 state capitals in, in America. as a party trick. Um, I'm good at catching things. But if things fall off tables, I catch them. It's, it's a weird thing. And it happened just last night. Um, we were, in, we we're in the pub and the, they have this infamously slopey table. And a gin and tonic was on it, and it slipped, and it was actually off the table before I noticed it, and I caught it before it hit the ground without spilling a drop. That is, it's not—it's useful. I'm not going to earn a living from it, but it's—it's it, <laughs> it's useful. So that might be my party trick.
1: A job you can write pretty well, then I suppose. Yeah,
0: like that's—I'm glad of that. Yeah, i am not much <laughs> else to rely on. I could—I could maybe get a job in a kitchen. I think I'd maybe be able to get away with that.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. If you can cook and catch stuff, then yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: You'd but be pretty I'm not sure I would enjoy it that much if I was getting paid for it. I like cooking for us and that's that's enough, really. Yeah, that's it.
1: Yeah, too much pressure. Maybe poison people and
0: yeah. yeah. Yeah, that wouldn't be good, yeah. If I poison us, no one cares, but yeah. yeah well, maybe one or two people. That would be good, yeah. that's, that's nice to think they would. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure they would. <laughs>
1: Um, so you said you're working on another book at the moment, and then do you know what you're going to do after that?
0: Uh, well, number book 10 is done. It's, that's coming out in January. I'm writing number 11 at the moment. I'm not sure where I'm going to go next. I've got various things I want to do. Um, I want to write The Sparrow's Trilogy. I have a couple of thrillers, American-based thrillers that I want to write, but it would be such a departure that I might do might those under another name, just so they're not Confusing. I've got books stacked up and waiting to be written. Um, but you don't always know until you start writing them whether, whether they are actually going to work out. My original book number 11, I walked on for a few months and realised it was the own book. So I switched, came up with another idea fairly quickly, thankfully. And I'm now right into that. And I'm, I'm loving it at the moment. At the moment, I haven't hit any problems. I'm sure there are some further down the line. But at the moment, this is this one's been fun to write, and where has going to go.
1: Awesome. Well, you may be relieved to know that I don't have any more questions for you, unless you think there's anything that I haven't asked you that you want to tell us.
0: Um, I, I, yeah, I have no idea. Um, yeah, I, I, obviously, I'll think of things as soon as we're finished. But no, I think we've just about covered everything.
1: <laughs> awesome. Well, before we go, would you like to just remind everyone where they can find out more about you and where they can get your books from?
0: Uh, I have a website, which I think is called. Uh, I think it's called uh, uh, Craig I am fairly sure. Um, books are available in all oh, good bookshops and in all oh, bad ones and, and Amazon. So the uh, current one is Watch Him Die came out last year. And The Undiscovered Desk of Grace McGill comes out in January. And I'm really excited about that one. So uh, copies are out there in the wild at the moment. Um, uh, proofs are out there and people are reading them. And that's always a kind of exciting and terrifying time. But so far, people that have liked it have been reading it, have been liking it. So hopefully that's going to stay that way.
1: I'm sure it will. Early readers are a pretty good guide usually, aren't they? So. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, um, Loving what's been said so far, so. I'm looking forward to it coming out.
1: Fabulous. Well, thank you very much.
0: Well, oh, thank you. That was painless. <laughs> Mostly.